You're listening to The Living Word with Danny Hodges of Calvary Chapel Fellowship in St. Pete. Jesus left the glories of heaven. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, held onto, but he made himself nothing. Corinthians, Paul writes, he who was rich, Jesus became poor so that you might become rich. We're the treasure. And he redeemed the world. He purchased the world with his own blood. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whosoever believes in him should not perish. That's how much he loves us. We're the treasure. Scripture tells us that God loved the world so much that He gave His only Son that you and I might live. Pastor Danny teaches on the significance of this in today's message. Jesus left heaven, left the greatest thing, and made Himself nothing for us. He became poor that we might become rich. Have you ever sat down and thought about the grace in all of that? Take a moment and reflect on His great love. Jesus died for the world. Jesus died for you. What deep, deep love. Now here's Pastor Danny in the book of Acts, chapter 28, as he continues his message, The Kingdom of God, part two. And the specific place they believed Jesus sat in this boat, and now he began to teach the crowd. Today is called the Cove of the Parables, because he told several parables from this cove. I know where it is, and I hope you'll get to see it, uh, perhaps with us, if you go to Israel with us. It's about a mile southwest of Capernaum, where Jesus made his ministry center. The land at the Cove of the Parables slopes down like a natural horseshoe-shaped amphitheater, which made it very acoustically um, desirable. But not just that. Added to the acoustic environment is the water that serves also as an acoustical aid. It's fascinating to me because Israeli scientists have tested the acoustics at the Cove of the Parables and found that Jesus would have been easily heard by this large crowd. It's almost like he had a sound system without an amplifier. And then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed and as he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Note that some fell on rocky places where it didn't have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, some thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. The disciples came to him and asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? So this is obviously a new teaching method by Jesus that he hasn't used before. And they want to know, why are you teaching now in parables? We'll come back to that. 
He replied, because the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have even what they have will be taken from them. What he means by that is connected with the parable. You respond correctly to the truth of the parable. You seek more truth. God will give you more truth. You don't respond to the truth. You lose what truth you got. This is why I speak to them in parables. And then he quotes the very scripture that Paul the Apostle quoted in Acts 28 last week after Paul proved from the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah, but some would not believe. And he quotes the same scripture that Jesus does here. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing, but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They've closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn. And I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see. And your ears, because they hear. For truly, I tell you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see, but did not see it, and to hear what you hear, but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, and that's the message about Christ, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. That's the birds. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and once receives it with joy. So there's a tremendous emotional response, but since they have no root, no depth, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. They get just so caught up and involved in the things of this life. Maybe they start making more money, which seems to be the, the implication. And they start, you know, just getting bogged down in the kingdom of this world. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word, understands. This is the one who produces a crop. Yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Now back to the question. Why do you speak to the people in parables? Do you know that some commentators suggest that Jesus was doing it in parables because he didn't want his non-chosen ones to know what he was saying. He's hiding it from them. What some people suggest is what Isaiah means. Is that really the God you serve? That's not the God I serve. My Bible tells me that God is not willing that any should perish. My God wants everybody to know the truth and to be set free. That's the God of the Bible. Crazy to say, oh, he's just hiding it from the crowd because he knows their heart. And he's giving the meaning to the chosen ones. No, it's exactly the opposite. The word parable comes from two Greek words. And when you put them together, you know what I mean? To throw alongside. Throw alongside. What does that mean? A parable is a simple story used to illustrate a moral or spiritual lesson. And it's meant to take something in life and paint a picture and you go, oh yeah, I see it, I understand, so that you can make a decision based on the truth that is taught. Now I gotta take you to seminary for a moment, even though I've never been to seminary. Because you need to understand, and we need to understand, a principle of hermeneutics because beginning in verse 24 of chapter 13 of Matthew, Jesus will tell a string of parables. We're about to go through all of them. Don't worry. 
And if we don't understand a principle of hermeneutics in reading these parables, we won't really get what God's trying to say. You say, what's a hermeneutic? Hermeneutics, big word, it means the theory and methodology of text interpretation. And a principle of hermeneutics called expositional constancy needs to be applied not only here, but in in studying scripture throughout, but especially here. It's the consistent use of symbolism in scripture. First parable, seed sown, seed. We're told later the seed is the word of God. And so when we see good seed in any other parable, anywhere else, good seed is the word of God, okay? We'll later learn a field is the world. And so anytime you see a field, then the field, if we're going to be expositionally constant, the field means the world, the birds. They come and snatch away the word, snatch the the seed away. And so whenever you see birds anywhere else, especially in a parable, the birds represent evil. Are you with me? Test next week. This is valuable, very valuable to understand what God is saying. So here we go. Class, verse 24, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. While while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? Go pull up the weeds? No, he answered. Because while you're pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. You may make a mistake. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I'll tell the harvesters, first collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. And then gather the wheat, bring it into my barn. Did you get it? Here's the lesson of that parable. In the kingdom of heaven here on earth, there's true grain and there are weeds. And ultimately, only God knows who's who. One of the most fascinating things about Jesus praying all night and going and choosing his 12 apostles is that one of them, Judas Iscariot, was a devil from the beginning. That's what Jesus said. But nobody else, but he knew it. None of Judas's peers, none of the other 11 apostles had any clue, any suspicion, even on the night that Judas went out and betrayed Jesus Christ for 30 pieces of silver. The other 11 thought he was going on an errand to help the poor sent by Jesus. Nobody knew. And ultimately only God knows those who are his. And in the church, there's true grain and there are weeds. And it just gave me a scary thought as I studied it. Reminded of it in a fresh way, and I started thinking, I wonder if any of my associate pastors are unsaved. What about me? Here's the thing, and then we'll move on. While none of the other 11 apostles knew the truth about Judas, Judas knew. Judas knew. And he could have repented, and he could have been saved. Judas knew. Could it be there's a Judas listening? He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it's the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. Some teach that this parable means 
that despite the small beginning of Jesus and his disciples, he chose 12, and then they go out, and the 11 began to preach the kingdom, and then on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 get saved, and then it's up to 5,000, and it just multiplies, and it's just this exponential growth of the kingdom. But class, expositional constancy. The birds in the first parable represent evil. So the birds that come and perch in the branches of the kingdom on earth, if I'm going to be consistent, has to be evil. Now, there's more than one application for this particular parable, but I'm going to give you just one and then we'll move on. And I know this one very well. Pastors on staff know it very well. Leaders in our church that have been around for a while, they know it very well. And it's this. There are those that look to come and take advantage of the shade of the kingdom of God on earth. They look to take advantage, but they're not born again. They don't know Jesus, but they come and they want things like shelter. They want money. They want help in life. They want counseling, but the counseling is just to help them have a better life, not to make them a disciple of Jesus. And they come and they perch in the branches and they look to take advantage, but they've never been born again. And that's just the way it is. Verse 33, he told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds or a large amount of flour till it worked all through the dough. Some say this one is akin to the previous one, that the kingdom, though starting very small, you know, and just like you put yeast into the dough and it just caused it to just expand and it just expanded. One of the books I read, and you read your head off because it's a whole set of volumes. My wife turned me on to it. But it's worth the work because it gives me, as a pastor and a teacher, historical background, geographical background, things like that. And I read in Zondervan Illustrated Bible Backgrounds Commentary on Matthew chapter 13 in preparation for this message. And I'll read you what I read in one section. I quote, Scripture uses leaven, yeast, almost exclusively as a negative metaphor, probably because fermentation implied disintegration and corruption. But Jesus seems to reverse the connotation here in this parable to symbolize the hidden permeation of the kingdom of heaven in this world. In spite of its small, inauspicious beginnings, the kingdom of heaven will permeate the world. Now, as sincere as that writer was in contributing that, (laughs) it's just not true. Expositional constancy. Yeast. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. Your boasting is not good. Don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? Get rid of the old yeast that you may be a new unleavened batch. You know what the context of that is? Sexual immorality in the church. Get rid of that yeast. Galatians chapter 5, verse 9. A little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. You know what the context of that statement is? Doctrinal heresy. Untruth being taught in the church. You go back to the beginning of the Passover in the Old Testament. And they slaughtered the Passover lamb. They applied the blood to their household. And then they went right into the next feast. They're inseparably connected. What was the next feast? The feast of unleavened bread. Where you go through and meticulously for a whole week. Get any leaven out of your household. Get any sin out. Expositional constancy. The leaven, the yeast here, mixing in to the kingdom is evil. 
You know, some pastors right now are standing in a pulpit and they claim to believe in the same Jesus, know the same Jesus, and I, you know, that's, God's going to answer that ultimately. But there's some that are standing in pulpits and they teach that this Bible is not completely inspired. It's not the infallible word of God. That's heresy. There's a church on Fifth Avenue North. I'll give you the name. King of Peace Metropolitan Community Church. Pray for me because I really get in trouble on this one. I went on their website. Copy this off their website. We're a diverse faith community called to live out the good news of the gospel. You say, what's wrong with that? Sounds like they're part of us. Got this off their website. We're a Christ-centered, spirit-led church. November the 22nd, last month. You know what the title of the message at that church was? Transgender Day of Remembrance. Really? July 17th, last year, they hosted an evening marriage equality victory rally. They're so excited now that in the church, women can be married to women and men can be married to men. That's 11. That's 11. Jesus told us in the parable. Verse 34. Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. Why? Because he wants them to know. He wants them to see. He wants them to understand. That's why he told parable after parable after parable. He wants them to get it. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I'll open my mouth in parables. I'll utter things hidden since the creation of the world. And he left the crowd and he went into the house. His disciples came to him and said, explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. And he answered, the one who sowed the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. And the good seed stands for the people of the kingdom. The weeds are the people of the evil one. And the enemy who sows them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age and the harvesters are angels. As the weeds are pulled up and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send out his angels and they will weed out of his kingdom everything that causes sin and all who do evil. They will throw them into the blazing furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It's not a pretty scene. And then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their father. Whoever has ears, let him hear. I absolutely love the next couple of parables because I understand them now better than I ever have. The kingdom of heaven, verse 44, is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. You know what one of the common interpretations of that parable is? And when somebody finds the, the treasure, the kingdom of heaven, and they give up everything in life for the sake of the kingdom. Now, there are the verses that call us to do that, but I don't believe that's what that parable means at all. Expositional constancy. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a, in a what? In a field. What did Jesus say the field is? The world. We didn't purchase the world for treasure. It's interesting in this day, it was a common thing to hide treasure in fields and other places. One of the Dead Sea Scrolls is called the Copper Scroll. It lists 64 places in Palestine where treasures were supposed to be hidden. The field is the world. So what's the treasure? You, me, we're the treasure. And Jesus left the glories of heaven. He didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, held onto, but he made himself nothing. Corinthians, Paul writes, he who was rich, Jesus became poor so that you might become rich. We're the treasure. And he redeemed the world. He purchased the world with his own blood. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Whosoever believes in him 
should not perish. That's how much he loves us. We're the treasure. Verse 45 is just as good. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and he sold everything he had and he bought it. Salvation is not bought. By grace are you saved through faith. Not not of yourself. It's a gift of God. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We're not only the treasure. We're the pearl. We're the pearl. We're the one he values so much that he would give his life. Jesus said, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Cheap. Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care. You make him buy them cheap, but they're valuable to the father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Boy, when I read that one, I just shot up a fresh reminder to the Lord. I said, Lord, you know, I got much less now than I ever did. You know what he said to me in my spirit, honestly? You know what he said? It'll be okay in the future. I'm getting a new body. Evidently, I'm getting a lot of hair. And you guys that had a lot of hair in this life, your new body, all eternity, you're going to look like me. Don't be afraid. You're worth more than many sparrows. One translation says, you're worth more than flocks of sparrows. That's how valuable we are to God. He said in Jeremiah, I've loved you with an everlasting love. So many verses on this. Don't have time. John 15, Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And that's exactly what he did for us. Verse 47, once again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net. It was let down into the lake and caught all kinds of fish. One was full, the fishermen pulled it up on shore. Then they sat down and collected the good fish in baskets, but threw the bad away. This is how it'll be at the end of the age. The angels will come and separate the wicked from the righteous and throw them into the blazing furnace where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's the second parable in one chapter where he talks about the weeping and gnashing of teeth for those who aren't part of the kingdom. Not the only place he did it. Matthew chapter 8, Matthew 22, Matthew 24, Matthew 25. Why? Because he wants us to be warned and understand the truth and be saved and not suffer such an awful damnation. Have you understood all these things, Jesus asked? Yes, they replied. And he said to them, therefore, every teacher of the law who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a house who brings out of his storeroom new treasures as well as old. You know, for years, I didn't really catch that. I didn't really get the gist of that. But I do now more than ever. And it came from the Holy Spirit, but it came also just by simply uh, meditating on it and then going back. And here's what I did. Here's what I did. I underlined, it says, therefore, every teacher of the law, and I underlined that, teacher of the law. And you know what the teacher of the law is? That's someone that's teaching the Old Testament. That's the Old Testament, a teacher of the law. That's the Old Testament, right? And then, who has become a disciple in the kingdom of heaven. Oh, wait a minute. Kingdom of heaven. That's the message about Jesus. He's the key to the kingdom. And we're right back in closing today where we started in Acts 28, where Paul proved from the Old Testament scriptures that Jesus is the Messiah, and then he presented the message of the kingdom. And the message of the kingdom is Jesus. That's the new treasure from the old. I love it. I just absolutely love it. Oh, 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 oh,
From the Apostle Paul's conversion until his death, it was his first priority to teach and tell people about the Kingdom of God. Is this on your radar as you go about your daily life? Pastor Danny has been teaching through a series called The Kingdom of God. Now, this may seem removed from the here and now, but Pastor Danny wants you to understand how thinking about God's kingdom can affect your life right now. It also gives you a lot to look forward to in the life to come if you're a follower of Christ. Keep tuning in to this series about God's kingdom, and we hope you'll learn some great things that are revealed in God's Word. Would you be willing to pray for us here at The Living Word? As our ministry grows, we want to make sure that we're seeking Jesus first and foremost. We're always in need of His guidance. So please pray that we'd recognize His voice and direction. Thanks so much for praying. Do you live in or near St. Petersburg? If so, we have a special invitation for you. Pastor Danny and all of us here at Calvary Chapel Fellowship would love to have you join us for our weekend services. Find out more and get directions at ccfstpete.church or you can join us online if you can't make it in person. Again, that website is ccfstpete.church. Thanks for tuning in today. Join us again to hear more messages from this series right here on The Living Word.